Welcome to the latest episode of Elevate. This is a podcast for business owners, business people, to help them elevate their life, their business, and everything that they do. So, uh, today I'm joined by two people. First and foremost, I'd like to welcome my co-host to the podcast, uh, Coach Kelly. Morning, Kelly. Hi, Adam. And today's guest... Um, I've been really, really wanting to get this guest on the podcast for quite a while uh, and didn't manage to do it in the first season, so I'm really, really glad that we've got uh, got him here today. Um, he's somebody who has had an effect on my life, but actually he's had a, an effect on a lot of people's life, including Kelly, actually, and we'll, we'll find out more about that later. Um, so without further ado, I'd love to welcome Davide to the podcast. Hello, Davide. Thank you, and good morning to you. Good, mo- good uh, night, Kelly. <laughs> so, yeah, interestingly, so this uh, this podcast today, I'm in New Zealand, Kelly's in France, uh, and Davide's in London, having recently got back from a, a trip to, to the US. Davide, let's start off. Um, your business is called Wise Humanity, which just in itself is pretty... Uh, an amazing name. I'd love for you to share with the audience what is Wise Humanity and what's it all about? Uh, many things make sense in retrospective, right? When you, and that's that's a measure of uh, that I'm on a, on the right track. When when I realize that my past is making sense, so there's a story about our name that made sense in retrospective. Uh, so after we decided on the name. Uh, what's called Richard Attenborough. He published his uh, life journey documentary, uh, Life on the Planet, I think it was called. And uh, at the end of it, he says, it's no longer sufficient for uh, uh, us to be the most intelligent species on earth. We need to be the wisest. So yes, we need we need to be a wise humanity. Yeah, so, so the thing that's going through my head is, what, what does wise mean? Wise means that we are using all the gifts that we have and that we look for happiness and answers where it's, it makes sense to find them. And that we stop living in many illusions and lies that we tell ourselves because it feels more convenient or just because randomly we were born in this time of uh, our evolution and culture and we've adopted all the ideas of this culture, like assuming that they're all the truth. Mm. So I I first came across Davide when I was introduced um, by a really good friend of mine and as you'll kind of hear as we go through the podcast, there's so much knowledge and wisdom. Kelly, I'd love for you to share the first time that you heard Davide and what your kind of takeaways were, uh, and then ask Davide a couple of questions. Well, I'm not really ashamed to say that I'm, I'm, I will fangirl a little bit during the podcast because that's how I felt when uh, Adam asked me to co-host this one because in all honesty um, I was part of Adam's Vistage group for a long while and um, I'd seen quite a lot of speakers and as anyone knows speakers range in in quality and interest certainly for me 
And when I went up, up I think it was Derby, um, we went and we and Davide spoke. And it was, I think, the first time that I'd heard a speaker and I was actually transfixed because everything sparked some sort of thought. It was almost that I couldn't keep up with the things that, you know, was being said because everything kind of made me think about something else and had another question. Um, but certainly some of the things that I took away that first session um, were a lot of things just about, just with some of few of the things that you mentioned there about, you know, we create lots of illusions and lots of descriptions for our lives which aren't necessarily based in any real in a real sense of of knowing yourself and knowing your situation and for me that was quite a revelation at the time because I was a director in a global charity I had quite a a big picture of self and my life built up around me and actually it wasn't just I'm not going to put the blame all at Davide's door, but um, there was a lot that we said that really started me thinking along the lines of what else? And I think that's the best way to describe it. What else? What's not What's not really true? Uh, what's true for me right now? Um, and how much can that, you know, how much have I tested that um, and really kind of looked beyond what I thought was real? Um, so for me, that session really did have a, have a huge impact. And one, well, if I can say one one um, story or learning that I use now with my coaching clients is the um, uh, oh I've forgotten it <laughs> is the uh, Adam help me out. Good thing, bad thing. Who knows? Good, good thing, bad thing. Who knows? I've got the story all laid out. Yeah, good thing, bad thing. Who knows? And that is the. That key takeaway from that, I think that was the first session that we had uh, in the group that I'm still in. We still use that to this day, and that's probably four years ago. Four years ago, I would I would say, and I use that with coaching clients, and it's valid for every single person that I speak to. The aspect of good thing, bad thing, who knows, which Davide, I'm going to ask you to share because uh, okay. you're far more eloquent at describing it than I am. Um, it's such a profound uh, story and impact that I, uh, one Christmas, decided to uh, get printed on metal um, the phrase, good thing, bad thing, who knows, and shared it with uh, with many people. Um, so it, it's as a constant reminder for a lot of people. Davide, please share, share with the audience, good thing, bad thing, who knows. And I would like to say that I have these played behind me all the time <laughs> it's not i didn't put it there today for you i'll share the story with a little uh preface so and kelly was talking about truth or or not or what is real or not real or is true what is not true the way our mind works is that uh we give a label of something to be good or bad and uh um yeah, there are things that make us suffer, like physically, of course, and they're not desirable, but it's in our head that we create the image of something that just happened to us, like I've lost my job or my partner broke up with me. And um, yeah, in that moment, these were not desirable events, obviously. 
but then we it's it's in our head where we decide whether it's a good or a bad thing and whenever we decide that it's a bad thing that starts the suffering so it's not the suffering is not in the event the suffering is in the label that we give to it and that's how our brain works so that's i mean that's how also neuroscience says that so um but many times in our lives, something that we immediately labeled as negative, then it actually triggered a chain of events that ended up taking us to a much better place than where we started from. It happens, we have, all of us can, uh, can stop this podcast for a second and think about uh, memories of, these, of such events. So, so the, the point is, uh, or the takeaway from good thing, bad thing, who knows, before I tell the story, is why, if we don't really know what will happen in the future, why do we uh, rush into labeling it bad and then start the suffering, trigger our suffering? We can just suspend the labeling and, and just go through it as an uh, neutral fact. Facts are neutral. They become positive or negative in our head. And there's a nice story that... Uh, uh, conveys the, uh, the, the message very well. So we need to go back to some middle age times. And uh, there's a farmer that decides to buy a horse. He wants to change his life. He has a, some, some savings, but he goes to, to his neighbors and borrows more money and, um, and buys a, an amazing stallion that will help him farm the uh, his uh, his property better. That night there's a big storm and the the uh, the, the, the stallion uh, is scared and runs away. And the next day all the all the neighbors go to the farmer and say, "Oh, look at you! You wanted to change your life. You borrowed all that money from us, bought a horse that now ran away, and uh, you're broken now. You still owe us money." And the farmer shrugs his shoulders and says, "Good thing, bad thing. Who knows?" Then he goes for a walk in the woods, he wants to recollect his thoughts, and uh, all of a sudden he bumps into the horse that is now eating grass with another nine horses, wild horses. So he, he catches all of them and he brings them back to the farm, and he, he builds a stronger fence and, uh, and so that they can't run away. And now he owns ten horses that by the standard of that village and many of the neighboring villages make him like a rich man. And all the neighbors go to the farmer and say, Oh, look at you. We thought you were destitute, but now you have 10 horses. This will change your life completely. How lucky you are. And he shrugs his shoulders and says, Good thing, bad thing, who knows? In the next few days, they, he, the farmer and his son start taming the wild horses. And uh, the, the, um, the son of the farmer actually falls off a horse and he breaks a leg and he, and he hears crooked. And all the neighbors go to the farmer and say, Oh, look at your son. You had such a nice young uh, son, but now he's, his leg is crooked. He can't help you work. He won't even find a nice girl to marry. Poor you. And the farmer shrugs his shoulders and says, Good thing, bad thing, who knows. And the next day, the king of the kingdom declares war to a neighboring kingdom. And all the youths need to go to work, to war, uh, except for the uh, farmer's son that has a crooked leg. So all the neighbors go to the farmer and say, oh, how lucky you are. You still have your son with you. Our sons went to war. We don't even know if we'll ever see them again. 
And the farmer shrugs his shoulders and says, good thing, bad thing, who knows? And the story could go on forever, but the podcast is limited. But, <laughs> but that is the point. So we don't really know what will happen in the future. And, uh, and you know, there is a, the typical, uh, um, the typical uh, recommendation is, oh, look at the positive side of things. But even when we look at the positive side, what we're really telling ourselves is we're telling yeah, there is a big negative side that I'm trying not to look at. And uh, and when I try to lie to myself, that's actually the first thing that, you know, when I try to not look at something, that's the first thing where I want to look at. So when I try to lie to myself then or to ignore something, it doesn't really work. My brain knows. Um, so a, a, a great way to get out of the positive-negative um, uh clash is uh, just just don't label events events are neutral don't label them and uh, and if anything happens they were not desirable think okay is there a possible chain of events that could take me to a much better place than where we are than i am now can i imagine one realistic one if i can imagine one okay what is the first step that i can do to set this chain of events on uh, in motion and then go out and do it. So, so this is a great tool because not only does it stop the suffering that comes from my labeling in my head, but it also sets me in motion. So it does, it helps me unstick myself from whatever difficult situation I find myself in and desperate. Um, I, I literally could sit here or stand here as I am. <laughs> listening to you forever mm -hmm. um, the, the thing that comes to my mind off the back of that is where and how have we been trained or conditioned to get to the stage of, uh, of labelling you know where, where, where do you feel that that's come from Davide so labelling um, is uh, how our brain works so we do, we do need labelling labelling, making judgments um, is something we do all the time and uh, and making judgments with little information, with not enough information, uh, is something we do all the time. We go through life, you know, like taking thousands of micro decisions, and uh, we can't stop and analyze everything to you know be before we act. So we need we need to make judgments all the time. Now the point is that what we don't know. <laughs> or what we or we what we forget is that it's judgments, and it's not the truth. It's the best guesstimate, the best judgment that I could make in that moment with all the information I have available and with all the experience that I have available that is unique to me. So that judgment will also be unique to me. So that is how the brain works, and it actually helps us. It helps us go through life and do and do things without having to stop every single second. Um, the question that we need to ask ourselves is never, is this judgment right or wrong? Is it true or not? Is it real or not? The question that we need to uh, ask ourselves is, is the judgment helping me or not? It will never be true because I don't have infinite information. Uh, all my, all my thoughts are biased by my experience by everything I've learned in the past, everything that worked, every judgment that worked okay for me in the, in the past situation, but the current situation is never the same. 
So, so the, the question is never, is it real? Is it right? Is, is it true? Is, is it helping me? So, this labeling of events, for example, uh, is, is a labeling that is, is not helping me. And, uh, and, uh, so I need, I need to, I need to see what other labeling, what other judgment, what other narrative I can, t- I can tell myself that is more inspiring. So the negative labeling, how many times have you found yourself in, in a situation that where you're desperate and for many days or weeks or even a lifetime, you actually can't get, get over it. And so that, that doesn't happen. And it's, it's not always as easy as telling yourself, oh, good thing, bad thing, who knows? Of course, we can't, we can't tell, tell good thing, bad thing, who knows to ourselves for anything that happens. There are things that are too big to, to say good thing, bad thing, who knows? Um, but this is a tool of acceptance and, uh, and, and there's a, there's a fundamental, a fundamental learning that is that accepting the present, accepting what has happened is definitely more helpful than resisting it. <laughs> Cause there's no way to going back. There's no way to changing it. So uh, accepting it will always put me in a better position than resisting it. I was, I was thinking when you were saying about truth. So where does truth exist for individuals and is there a, such a thing as a collective truth or is truth just an individual construct? There is, you, you, there is an individual truth and uh, it's the truth of, of a story, of a narrative that you've decided to tell yourself and you've decided to believe in and that's, your, and that's the truth for you. There is a collective truth because there are collective stories in our in our society and um, depending on where you were born where you grew up and the time of of history where we we grew up there are many collective stories um and uh, and we collectively decide to believe in them and then there are also non- there are co- there are stories that are collective but not of everyone like you know if you think of um, i don't know well, a couple of years ago, we had vaccination versus non-vaccination. And uh, there were collective stories that some people, there were two collective narratives and, uh, and you decided which one you would want to, you wanted to adopt. Now there, there is a collective narrative about climate change and another one against it. And you decide which one you, you adopt. Um, there was a collective uh, narrative like 200 years ago. Where owning a, another human being was okay. And we had slavery and it was perfectly fine. It was a collective narrative that among white men, they were saying, they were saying that black, uh, black men were, color men were, were inferior. And we were telling ourselves the collective narrative to justify what we were doing, like owning, owning human beings. And it was perfectly fine. So collective narratives are, not true. They change. They change, but, but you can believe in them mm-hmm. and you totally believe in them. When, when, you know, they, they start wars, <laughs> uh, and they stop wars as well. And, uh, and, uh, they break up families or keep families together. So, so yeah. let me, let me, yeah, let me piggyback on that because, um, 
I, I, I've always, anybody that knows me <clears throat> knows that I'm always uh, inquisitive and, and challenging. And I think what, what helped me when I went through the work uh, with, uh, with yourself and Elizabeth, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, is that it allowed me to widen my peripheral vision, to look at things from a different perspective, to challenge my own assumptions, my own mental models, which I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about. Um, again, we, I sense that with the majority of us is that we go through life with quite a narrow viewpoint. Um, the confirmation bias, the stories that we've been told, the truth that we, that we exist. And that, you know, I know because I saw it with Kelly is that actually that widening of the, of the, of the viewpoint to challenge those uh, assumptions and thought patterns, etc., actually is incredibly important. Um, I'd love for, you know, for you to kind of just share uh, your story as to did you always have that wider perspective or what was it that allowed you to kind of get to that point? Someone very recently asked me uh, why I went so deep into personal growth and the uh, inner work. And I obviously needed it, and I didn't know. <laughs> I, this is one of the things that made sense in my life after, you know, and they made me think, okay, I, I mean, I must be in a, in a good direction, um, which is also a narrative, by the way. <laughs> it's not true, but it's a story that works for me, so I'm, I'm going with it. Um, my story... Um, I have friends from, I've had friends for many years and they say that I've changed a lot. That I, I used to be, um, very, very strong about the things I believed in. And, um, and also very dismissive of everyone else who didn't believe the same. Which is the real problem because it's okay to have strong beliefs, but then the moment they keep you away from other human beings, that something is not is not working there. And um, so, so yeah, I was irritable, aggressive, and um, very convinced, and not open to changing my mind. Eh? So. Um, I have absolute respect with uh, for for uh, um, religious people, but I'm going to say something about my personal experience. And uh, so I used to be extremely Catholic because I was born in uh, well, I was born in Italy, obviously, but also in a family that was very Catholic, and I was brought up Catholic. So so at, at the beginning you are bound to be Catholic, then and then you can be forever or not. At some point, you can take a decision, make a decision. Um, and, uh, and, and then I started uh, challenging it, challenging my, so I, 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 the universe brought me to challenge it because I also happen to be gay. And, uh, at that, and now maybe things are a bit more open, but the Catholic religion that I learned was completely against it. So, um, I was feeling like I was not worthy of happiness. I was not worthy of living. I was dirty. I was sinful. Um, 
and I tried to resist it for a long time. And, uh, and you know, because I was coming from this mental map that everything that I believed in means, meant that everyone else that didn't believe the same was a bad person. <laughs> then I, I started saying, okay, then I am a bad person because I'm doing, I'm feeling things that I, sh- that I should not, that is not allowed. And, uh, and I started hating myself. Uh, now that was extreme and, uh, and uh, like for five years I was going to bed every night crying, re- real drop, teardrops, and praying God to make me die in my sleep. Um, so that was, that, that, and I say I laugh about it now. <laughs> um, that was extreme, but how many times have you found yourself not liking yourself for something? So maybe not, we don't, not necessarily hating you, not necessarily praying God to make you die in your sleep, but you find yourself not liking yourself for something. And, um, that's always a sign that some mental map is not working. Some of your judgments, some of your beliefs are not helping you. Because while there are things where you can change, while there are things where you can grow, you know, we have time. Tomorrow I can be better than today. I can be a, gr- a grower. <laughs> I can be bigger than today. But um, that doesn't mean that I need to hate myself because I'm not where I will be tomorrow, because I'm not, I haven't developed the things that I will have developed in a year. So, so that's that hating yourself or not liking yourself, there's always, always a sign that some of your mental maps are not helping. And um, so, yeah, so I went through that phase and I had to, and I only got out of here by letting go completely of my Catholic beliefs. I had to, so I had to change my, com- completing my belief system to to survive that moment. And, I mean, moment, it was many years of my life. But, um, and I like to say a, a, another related story that, from, in my opinion, it's even more powerful, the one from my parents. Because also, obviously, my parents were also uh, Catholic, <laughs> very Catholic, and uh, and um, when I came out to them after 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 five years of struggle, personal struggle, I accepted myself, and then I came out to my parents, and um, um, my dad the day the night I told him that I was gay, that night he said it, it, we both cried. He said. Um, I'm going to love you even more than before. Nothing's going to change. And the next day, everything changed. <laughs> and uh, he told me that I should see a doctor, I should see a priest, I should see a psycholo- psychology, not necessarily disorder. But, and, um, and of course, after five years of, of crying every night, I could not accept that. So immediately, there started a war between me and my, pa- my dad first, and then in general, me and my parents. And uh, a war that lasted 10 years before eventually they accepted, they, one day they, they just decided that they were either going to lose their son or accept what it was. Good thing, bad thing, who knows? And, uh, and they accepted me. And uh, so, and then after that, our relationship has, has uh, gone better and better and better every year. Um, but the story is very important because for me, I could only get out of, of 
the, my fight against my own beliefs by letting go completely of my religious beliefs. My parents, I think they did an even better job because they managed to let go of the idea that they couldn't love or they couldn't completely accept their gay son and they still managed to hold on to their Catholic beliefs. So, so their, their work in terms of, uh, wordsmithing their, their mental maps and their beliefs, I think was even more accurate and refined than mine. Um, so, so, sorry, I got a bit sidetracked maybe. But yeah, the question was if it happened to me. Yes, it happened to me. It happened to my parents to really have to work on some of our mental maps. And, uh, and, and again, it's not about asking, is it true or is it not true? Is, is this mental map helping me or not? And then mm-hmm. um, it's hard to let go of beliefs because the beliefs that I've had until today have helped me to get until, have helped me get until today. So they've actually worked pretty well. I'm alive today. I got to today. I'm alive. And, and you know, in many cases, most cases, um, I also have a decent life. And, uh, and so it's hard to say, okay, to say goodbye to beliefs that have objectively helped me until today. But the work is realizing that because life changes and I'm growing and, uh, and I want different things and uh, the challenges that life gives me are different, then the beliefs that have brought me until here, that to here, they're not necessarily good enough to take me to the next step. And, uh, and it's hard to let go of them. It's hard to say goodbye to them because they've been good. They've done a good job mm-hmm. until now. Um, just before I come to Kelly to ask the next question, can you just clarify, because you've, you've said the phrase mental map. Mm-hmm. Could you just clarify what, what that means just so that listeners kind of have got full understanding? Okay. Um, you can give it many names. You can call it judgment. You can call it belief. You can call it habit. You can call it narrative. Um, we make sense of the world by creating narratives, by creating mental maps about how things work. And, uh, and, and some of these beliefs, again, like a religion, again, is a big, is a big belief set. Uh, but there are things, there are mental maps for anything. We have mental maps for how we order a pizza. But we all, we all, we also have a mental map about how we, what we look in our next partner when we when we're looking for a life partner we have mental maps about how we look for our next job so what do we value exactly for example if i'm thinking of a next job to look for there's money there's freedom there's a life work balance there's traveling there's the impact i'm making in the world the impact i'm making on the local community of all these, all these are judgments and I decide what is my mental map about looking for another job. What, what are the things that are important to me that will help me choose? This job is good for me. This job is not good for me. And I have a story about mental maps about partners as well, if you want, that I had to give up before I could find a great partner that I have now. Cliche, <laughs> cliche, go on. <laughs> Um, so I used to have a mental map about education and I went through, uh, what in Italy would, at that time was supposed to be like the, the most difficult high school 
uh, choice that, that I had. Um, and, uh, and then I studied physics because I wanted to understand like the core of, uh, of, uh, reality, which in a way is something that I do now as well, although from a different angle. And, um, so I did, uh, you know, physics is generally, you know, supposed to be tough. So, so, and I went, and, and it went very well. I had, I got all, always the best marks everywhere. And uh, so I had this mental map that, uh, yeah, I could be friends with someone who wasn't as educated as me, but I couldn't really date someone that wasn't ed- well, as educated, well educated as me. And, um, I even studied, now, of course, now I have an Italian accent, but in Italy, I even did, um, uh, acting to polish my, my accent. And, uh, um, so I had a neutral Italian accent. Um, I removed the original. So, so I was looking for, uh, a boyfriend with, they had a high, some, you know, high degree somewhere, some sort of high degree, great education. And of course it, he didn't have any original accent <laughs> while he was talking <laughs> in his. So this, this, uh, honestly guys, this, this is what, these were my beliefs of what you know, but before I go ahead with the story, some, we see someone is dressed in a or they're dressed in a certain way, and immediately we create judgments. No, immediately it's natural, okay? And uh, and so there's a mental map, right? If you dress this way, it means A, B, and C. If you dress this other way, it means that you know. The, you can even say, oh yeah, yeah he's, uh, he has this life philosophy if he dresses this way, right? Um, so these are mental maps as well. <laughs> Just to, so anyway, back to the story of um, the, the the language and the education. <laughs> so I had, I'm thinking if the if if the two people that I'm going to talk about are going to listen to this anyway. So when I moved to the UK, um, uh, of course my 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 English is not perfect, my and I have an accent, etc. But I was still looking for this kind of uh, high level education. And, and also I want to, I was thinking, oh no, no, my, my, my next boyfriend will speak English at least as well, as good as I, and my English is. So not, not, not less than that. And, uh, so the two boyfriends, the first two boyfriends that I had here in the UK were both English from England and uh, both went to boarding schools. Uh, both had this really polished English accent and, and the two relationships were Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. One of them was was like a, and it really ended 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 up really badly. And uh, um, I I needed friends' help to get out of uh, of the, what happened after and how how I reacted to it. It was really really a, another moment of big suffering in my life. Uh, and then after that, I was single for like four years. And then during those four years, I also worked on myself, obviously, because there's nothing else you can do than working on yourself anyway. <laughs> Write this down. <laughs> um, and, uh, and one of the mental maps that I decided to, to, to let go of was this. So why should I really look for only people that speak like really good English with a little accent and have high education? I mean, this doesn't mean that that I can't, I can't, that my life partner, I can't find a, a, a great life partner that does not fulfill this criteria. Um, so I let go of that. And, uh, and then I found some, I found a person that, of course, I, 
I mean, the, of course, there's other things that uh, that um, um, are keeping us together. But his Spanish, his English is much worse than mine. He has a terrible accent. Uh, he it is he, a great physiotherapist, but doesn't have like a you know like a literate education, Latin or physics or whatever. And um, and I wouldn't have met him if I if I hadn't changed my mental maps. So I was, those mental maps were keeping me away from like a, a vast portion of the population of this planet. Um, and was, were they helping me or not? And it, building on that, if, if someone listening to this podcast or, or otherwise was, you know, at the point of really wanting to make some changes or, you know, get to know themselves better, do some work, is that where, is that a first step? To, to take looking at some of these mental maps and um, what they're holding as truths at the minute is that a good place to begin? There is a, there is some work that we can do by ourselves, and there is some work that if we try to do it by ourselves, it takes years of suffering. Um, and. Uh, Honestly, I think we have the resources in ourselves to understand every truth, every, every uh, to, to make every step that we can to improve our lives. But sometimes it costs a, a long time and a lot and a lot of suffering, a lot of uh, not helping ourselves. <laughs> um, so there are books that we can read, there are TED talks that we can watch, but the the work on mental maps, for example, because they're so, in, beliefs that are so ingrained in us, it's difficult to do by yourself. It really takes a long time. I like using the metaphor of the, um, of the canyon. The, a mental map is like, it's a story that you tell yourself and you keep repeating it so all the time. And it's like a river that is digging a canyon. And you're at the bottom of the canyon, and uh, and the all every all you can see is just the walls of the canyon, the sides of the canyon. There's nothing else there. So for you, reality, the truth, the reality is just that canyon, and uh, it's difficult to see that there's a world outside of the canyon, and uh, it's also difficult to learn how to climb those walls by yourself. You can do it. But it, you can accelerate that, and you know, good coaches can help a lot, a lot. Good coaches change lives, really. I remember one of Adams. Uh, the one question of Adams. I remember lots of what Adams told me, but um, obviously, um, but one of the questions he asked me once uh, was, "Are you always right?" And it stopped me dead in my tracks because I said. Well, no, of course not. I know I'm not always right. And then I thought, but when I speak, of course I think I'm right because I wouldn't say it if I didn't think I was right. And actually through coaching, I spoke as though I was right. I spoke from my perspective and that alone. And what it did was it closed people down before I even allowed their perspective in because I spoke as though I was right because I was so narrow in, um, in what I thought about a whole variety of stuff so so that that one question for me was was difficult 
Um, but it was the start of a process of me trying to think how I could see more. I'd like to add something here that um, I've been repeating very often in many workshops recently. Um, one thing that actually brings us closer to other people is to realize that whatever beliefs they have today, those beliefs are the product of that person's life. Where they were born, where they grew up, what kind of education they received, what kind of experiences they went through. And the beliefs they have today are the result of all the micro-beliefs that help them go through whatever they've been through in their lives. This is true for everyone else, and it's true for me as well, for you, Adam, for you, Kelly. So, every moment, we're really doing the best we can with the, with the tools and the education, the information, the experience that we have. And this is true for me, and it's true also for another person that has a different opinion. And if I were in their shoes, I would be them. <laughs> if I were in their shoes... I would, it's not that I would be more clever and I would do things different. No, if I were in their shoes, I would have exactly the same life experience that they have. And I would have solved all the troubles of my, of, of my past the way they did. And I would have the same thoughts and opinions that they have. So this doesn't mean that I need to, you know, I need to work with everyone. I need to be best friends with everyone, but it changes completely the way I talk to them, the way I sit at a table and discuss about our different opinions. And I think the thing for me, Davide, is that actually there's something of beauty and wisdom in the level of acceptance where people are at. So instead of us getting, you know, it's funny, sat out around the dinner table last night with uh, my eldest, who's 14 on Sunday, and we were sharing this, com me and Naomi, my wife, were sharing this conversation around the frustrations that we see in other people, they're just the mirror and the frustrations are actually on our, ourselves. I tell you what's great, Davide, is when I hear my wife and kids using the language that I learned from you and they've learned it by symbiosis and they're kind of and, and like, you know, it, it's just beautiful. Um, so I've, I've, got two, I've got two last questions and Kelly, I want to make sure that you have a, a question as well. So my second to last question um, Davide, there's a lot of the mental map at the moment is that the, the kids, especially kids, there's a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, what are what's the one or two tools or TED talk or books that you would be recommending as parents that we should be using as a resource to assist us with the, with the kids that we've got within our lives? I don't have children, and uh, but of course I work with a lot of um, parents. Um, my brother took our course. I don't know if you knew this, and uh, he took it not not the last cohort, the previous one that ended in December last year. And um, he told me that the two areas where the course helped me the most helped him the most were being a better leader at work and being a better parent. So there is 
there is one recommendation for for well for kids for parents so this one thing that i've just said now uh, about rem- reminding yourself that whatever your kid is doing they're doing the best they can with the tools they have and that uh labeling them like oh uh, jack is lazy uh, or mary's clever uh Jack, look at Mary as she's doing her homework. She, she's, 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 she's gonna have a, a, a great life. She's not like you. Um, uh, so these, 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 these labels are in, are in my head. They're, they're not necessarily reality. They're not, they're not. And, um, the kid is doing the best they can with, with whatever tool they have. So, so the, the point, the point is asking myself, okay, why in this moment, the best that Jack can do is, is running towards the TV and playing and closing the book, for example. What, why, why this is the best he can do in this moment? And that, uh, that is a different question. Uh, I, again, it changes the way you talk with Jack and the way you, you f- face the situation, uh, and instead of labeling. Labeling him like lazy, or oh, he's lazy. Because um, the other things that happen is that when you hear, when you you you're, you know you're at those those in those years you're creating your Kelly. You talked about your image, your self image, no? So we we create our self image every day, but but of course when in those years it, it it's even more prevalent, and uh, and the the more you hear a label uh, on you, the more you be, you actually believe in it. And, uh, and the more, the more, it, the more it impacts on, uh, on you. So the more it stays. Um, any, any, um, so that, that's definitely not helpful. The other thing that, and I'm talking with my brother, I realize is that, uh, one of the best things that a parent can do is to create a space where the children can make mistakes and, and they feel e- equally loved. So you, you do want to teach your children to, you know, you have your own belief system, obviously, and you do want to, and, and there are some things where you, you, you will tell yourself, okay, this is just me. I, I don't want to, I don't want to imprint it on my children, but there are some things that you want them to learn something from what you learned. <laughs> so you do want, want them to embrace some of your beliefs. And so there are beliefs that you will want to pass on. But the, the, the important thing is they, that you create a space where they feel loved even if they haven't behaved the way you want it. And that, that is probably the biggest gift and uh, that you can give them because they, they, they can grow up free in that moment. Because everything we do when we grow up is because we're small and because we completely depend, our life is dependent on our parents, then the human reaction, uh, uh, the human mechanism there is that I need to make my parents happy. I need to do whatever works for the relationship between me and my parents to make them happy so that they feed me and they look after me. And, and this is what creates in our mind then all those mechanisms like not being able to say no, for example, 
or, uh, yeah, it's a problem that many of us have, uh, personal insecurities or, or depending on, uh, the accept on someone else's validation to feel really loved. Or the other way around, make our parents crazy because that was the only way that they could pay attention to us. <laughs> so all these mechanisms develop in that moment. So if we are able to provide a, 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 an environment where they are loved no matter what, and of course we will teach them manners, we will work with them to help them study, but they are loved still. And that is like the, the biggest gift that we can, uh, we can make to a child. Um, I tried to help my kids have the belief that uh, Nottingham Forest were the best football team in the land. Um, sadly, that belief has not followed through. Uh, but anyway, um, Kelly, last question, please, from you. I'm not sure I have one, actually. I'm, I was just soaking up the the uh, the kids thing. I think that's, you know, that understanding where it where it starts. And it's it's almost as though... You know, it's on us as parents to to begin that journey for somebody so they have a basis. It's almost like when you get to be an adult, there's like 10 times as much work to do. It's, I don't know, as a, as a parent, it seems like we can be doing a lot of those building blocks for our children. So, um, so David, just before I come to the last question, um, where can people find you? And wise humanity, and just give us an indication as to some of the you mentioned courses and workshops. Uh, I'd love for you to share with the audience how uh, how they can find you and what it, what it is that you do. So um, one day I woke up, and I, I, I everything always starts with a story. <laughs> one day, one day I woke up and I realized that I was using all the tools that I had learned from a course that I had taken two years before and that they had made my life easier, more fulfilling, uh, less anxious, um, more at peace, more stable, more resilient. I was, I had a better sense of fulfillment. My relationships with other people were calmer and, and more authentic. I was more authentic with myself. I did, I, I, all of a sudden, I used to have a work persona, a family persona, a friend's persona, and they had all come together. So one day I woke up and realized that all these, all, I was using all the tools that I learned at a personal growth course that I had taken two years prior. And, um, and that started my journey of change. Because at that time I was, uh, well, I'm, I'm a physicist. I was working as an engineer in engineering companies with a corporate career. And that's the moment when I started to develop my coaching side. And, uh, and, and I also went through a, another uh, series of uh, personal growth experiences and learnings until I left my corporate career and I started doing what I do full time. I first joined the professor, Dr. Rao, the professor of that I had that had taught me that course at, at that time it was like 10 years before and um and then now with elizabeth that you mentioned uh we created wise humanity uh, our own personal growth company and uh we uh, run courses for individuals that we put together in a cohort 
Uh, and uh, pro that's probably the most transformative course that we run. It lasts 12 weeks and we do it what to, at the moment we do it twice a year in the autumn and in, uh, in the spring. The next one is starting at the end of September. And then we, we found a very, very impactful way to turn that also into a program for uh, companies. And uh, we created this journey of uh, five, six or seven uh, short sessions of two hours each. And uh, where uh, we go through different topics that have a particular impact on how we behave in the workplace and the challenges that we have in the workplace and how we can be part of functional teams and become inspiring leaders. And, and this journey is actually is a transformative one and uh, that takes people for, even from the workplace to a completely different level. And the one thing where we think the wise humanity is particularly unique and strong at is the practice. Because uh, you can listen to this podcast or uh, many TED Talks or look or read self-help books and you understand the concepts. They're powerful. They're, they're intellectually, you can understand them. You can see the power. But then... You know, one hour later, two days later, if you're lucky, uh, you go back to being the person you were before. And uh, the way to change your mental maps, the way to change your habits, the way to find that there are hab more powerful habits um, is through practice. You need to practice the, co the concepts that we talked about today. You need to practice them in your life so that they become your natural habit. And the, way, the place where why humanity we think is very powerful is in turning all these concepts into practical tools that you can experiment and play with in your life. And in our courses, we create the time and the space that you can, where you can do this, uh, uh, practice and we're there to help you while you do it. Cause like anything else that you learn, you, you learn the theory, then you start using the tools, even if it's physics, even if it's finance. And that's the moment when you start asking many questions. Oh, but how, how does this really work? And that's the moment where we are there to give you the answer while you do the practice. And so, yeah, we, we run, well, we do coaching one-to-one, -one, then we also run uh, courses for individuals and, uh, and uh, leadership boot camps and workshops for companies. Awesome. Uh, website? wisehumanity.org.org. Um, David A., um, last question from me. Um, and I'm taking this from, this was a question that was asked of me last week, actually, by a, by a guest. And um, I really loved it. So I've um, gleefully uh, stolen it. Uh, if, if there was a book of your life, what would it be called? Oh, the book of my life. Yeah. Ah, what would it be called? A journey. A journey. Davide, um, thank you. Um, what, what, what's great for me is that, um, you're my teacher, but you're also my friend, and I feel great gratitude to, to, to have you on here. And even more gratitude that one of my students uh, feels the same about you, and uh, it, it's been great having Kelly on here uh, as well. Um, I've, I've been through the programs uh, that you've spoken about, and I've been witness 
to the work that you've done within organisations. And I absolutely agree is that actually taking the theory and then being in a position where you're able to kind of practice in a safe environment uh, with the support and the handholding of, uh, of yourself and Elizabeth and, and all the other coaches that you've got actually is vitally important. And if we can, if we can challenge ourselves to think slightly differently and catch ourselves in the judgments that we make of others, but actually also ourselves, um, that's where for me the true wisdom comes in place. And if we're wiser for ourselves, then that means that we're wiser towards humanity in itself. Um, that was completely off the cuff. Uh, Davine, thank you very much. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode of Elevate, um, please, all I ask is that you forward it on to one person who you believe is going to take some insight, some knowledge and some understanding from uh, from this podcast. Um, this is a weekly podcast, so if you aren't already signed up, please do so. Whatever you're listening to, click on whatever you need to and do what you need to do. Uh, I'm Adam, my co-host Kelly, thank you very much. Today's guest uh, is Davide, uh, and I look forward to seeing you, actually not seeing you, I look forward to you hearing me or hearing us on the next episode of the Elevate Podcast. Bye for now.